0: This is Coach Lee, and you're listening to The Door Report.
1: On today's episode of The Door Report, powered by Alaco Finewood Floors, we're joined by Gator Dave. David Waters from Gators Breakdown joins the podcast to give us a full preview of Vandy and Florida tomorrow in the Swamp. Noon Eastern time kickoff on the SEC Network. What's the mood like in Gainesville right now, heading into this Vanderbilt matchup after last weekend's loss to Kentucky in Lexington. We also dive into their quarterback situation. Who will we see more of, Emory Jones or Anthony Richardson? We dive into all of that with Gator Dave coming up, but we also give you our three key things to watch in this matchup, and as always, our predictions at the very end of this episode. Stay tuned for all that and much more coming right up here on The Door Report, powered by Alaco Fine Wood Floors. Let's ride.
0: You're listening to The Door Report, the premier Vanderbilt podcast for fans who believe black and gold. Commodore Nation, anchor down.
1: Welcome into the Door Report. It is episode 113. It is October 8th, 2021, and we are powered as always by Alaco Finewood Floors. Will, it's Florida week. We continue to roll on here. Vanderbilt sitting at two and three. They travel to the swamp to play a pissed off Florida team. We will talk about that matchup with uh, Gator Dave, David uh, Waters, coming up a little bit later. But Will, we have an interesting week, not only for football, but for basketball. Colin Smith. A four star, uh, I guess you call him small forward out of Arizona is he's trending in Vanderbilt's direction and we are expecting a commitment to Vanderbilt for him. So, again, uh, anything can happen there, but but we're trending on the on the uh, on the upward side there. So we'll touch on him. Uh, We'll also get to our three things to watch and predictions as always. But, will it's Florida week and uh, Vanderbilt has another tough test. These first two SEC matchups not been very kind to the Commodores. (laughs)
2: Yeah, that's, that's putting it lightly. I think that in the first two SEC matchups this season, I don't think they're necessarily facing the two best SEC teams they'll play. I think that is Georgia and Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. But they're facing the two SEC teams, and we'll get into this when we run through the preview, and I'm sure you got into this with Gator Dave, who mm-hmm. I was unfortunately able to join. These are two teams that do everything well, and the strengths of their team perfectly match up against the obvious weaknesses of this Vanderbilt mm. team so I think that there are a lot of things to look at that are not going to be optimistic going in and I think there are actually a couple of things that are a little more optimistic when you look at how the season has played out thus far for the Gators so there's some interesting storylines to follow and this is the definition of a get right game mm-hmm. for Florida and I think that can it can go one of two ways and hopefully for Vanderbilt fans it can it can go the way of not getting your uh, the barn doors blown off uh really yeah. in this one <laughs>
1: And we'll touch on key, not necessarily keys, but we've kind of shifted to three things to watch. Basically, th- <laughs> three uh, matchups, three circumstances that we expect to see, and how we. As you know, as Vanderbilt as supporters of Vanderbilt University would like to see those uh, played out. But yes, we will preview Florida. We'll get to our three things to watch predictions as well. But before we preview Florida, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at door underscore report and Instagram door dot report. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Our podcast is available on Anchor, iTunes, Spotify and Google Podcasts. And while you're at it, give our podcast five stars and a review on iTunes. All right. Let's preview Florida
0: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Alumni Hall is the go-to shopping destination for Vanderbilt gear. Stop into their Brentwood location at the Hill Center or shop online at alumnihall.com forward slash Vanderbilt dash Commodores. A special 10% discount is awarded to students and military members. Plus, all year round, Alumni Hall carries brands like Nike, Johnny O, Champion, Yeti, and much more. Even better, with an excellent selection of women's fashion, Alumni Hall is the one-stop shop for the whole family. Help support Vanderbilt Athletics by purchasing your black and gold gear from the Alumni Hall. Stop by their store in Brentwood at the Hill Center or log on to alumnihall.com forward slash Vanderbilt dash Commodores.
1: All right, well, uh, one last time here for Alumni Hall. Uh, of course, we'll be switching our breaking news sponsor, a preview sponsor here of this segment. But... Uh, One last time being a supporter of your university is more than just the diploma on the wall cheering them to victory and singing the fight song. It's part of who you are alumni hall understands that and the need to showcase that school spirit and pride in every aspect of your daily life alumni hall has now grown to become the hometown college store for some of the greatest fan bases in the country we know that being a student alumni or fan is not just for game day at alumni hall they make it part of every day. All right, well, it's it's time to preview Florida, but before we touch on the Gators, there could be another four-star commit coming here for Coach Stackhouse, and it's, it's very intriguing past couple months on the recruiting trail for him. I guess you could say past few months, of course, with Noah Shelby and Lee Dort committing two four-stars, and now you could be adding a third with Colin Smith, a, a small forward out of Arizona. And, Will, what he's been doing on the recruiting trail this past year is nothing short of impressive. And this has to be talked about. It just does because coming up Sunday, Vanderbilt could get could get their third four star in this class. And you know, for as much as we've talked about Stack struggling on the court, boy, he, he's doing all he's can all he can right now on the recruiting
2: trail the rumor mill is swirling about Colin Smith. And yes. I think this is probably as close to a sure thing as you can have. It's pretty much leaked out in all of these insider mm-hmm. sources. So just for context for everyone out there, according to 24-7 sports class calculator, if uh, Colin Smith does commit, which we expect him to on Sunday, mm-hmm. to Vanderbilt, it would move the Commodores to the number 10 class in the country, third in the SEC. Right now they're 12th and third. So it doesn't give them a huge bump, but just to mm-hmm. say – it's already a very 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 good class pairing with Mm -hmm. dort and shelby and malik dia who is malik is more of a project Mm -hmm. three-star i believe he's ranked around 200th nationally but for a little bit of context for vanderbilt fans of where the recruiting has been since that vaunted class Mm -hmm. including darius garland simi shitu and nesmith came in in 2019 they were 50th in 2020 they were 65th and in 2021 they were 42nd and 12th 11th and 9th respectively In the SEC, each of those years, so this is a huge jump forward. But I think it's really kind of, you know, been kind of flown under the radar for Vanderbilt fans because I think a lot of a lot of us out there that are Vanderbilt Commodore basketball fans are just feeling cursed, and it's hard to get your hopes up and get excited because you just feel like there is an injury, a significant injury, coming to this roster and/or this recruiting class. Because we have seen it—not an exaggeration—literally every single year since Mm -hmm. Bryce True brought in the highest rated class in the history of Vanderbilt basketball. And so maybe this is the year, this is the season, this is the recruiting class that can move forward kind of like team one in football and seem to break through that Memorial curse that unfortunately has replaced Memorial Memorial Magic.
1: I think the the ghost of Kevin Stallings is still lingering in Memorial Gym because he, (laughs) His spirit and, and what he brought to, to Vanderbilt has yet to, to show up. And I know late in his career, he didn't, you know, didn't didn't show, didn't have a lot to show for, but, but man, it, I'm with you, Will. I know we were texting a couple of days ago. What are the odds that, that a Vanderbilt starter is is out for the season, announced out for the season in the first couple of weeks? I mean, that, it's, it's, that's, that's it's just like how the ten- it. It's
2: Vanderbilt basketball's best players somehow getting injured, A. And then if you live in Middle Tennessee – it is Tennessee Titans signing explosive playmakers and receivers, any receiver, any receiver they sign on the outside and or draft will have bad injury issues. (laughs) It it does not matter. Those two things it's death taxes. And those two (laughs) things happening when it relates to sports
1: and injuries to to Vanderbilt on the hardwood that that's, uh, that'll be a key to watch in the, in this early in the season for Vanderbilt before you even get to sec play. So if they can stay healthy We'll talk about this a lot during the basketball season, but man, I, I think they can do a lot more damage than they did last year.
2: Uh, yeah, we'll but, really have to – at some point, Billy, we're going to have to do a just full dive, break deep dive preview into this Vanderbilt basketball team because it has really, really been the least talked about team that I've seen in a while, and that's related to the success mm-hmm. and lack of success they've had the last two years. And also kind of the vibe of the fan base, not necessarily – Being in full support of Jerry Stackhouse at this point, just because of some of the things that have happened, mostly on social Mm -hmm. media. So I think this used to be the time of year that you set set in the football stadium and everybody was talking about just wait until basketball season. So I want to get back to there and we'll definitely have to do that deep dive because this is going to be an improvement. Uh, from the teams we've seen the last two years, assuming they're able to maintain their health.
1: And I'm sure you'll be able to say that a lot more about this basketball team heading, heading down the road, because if they stay healthy, especially with those three four-stars, who knows what can happen. But, Will, we've got a football game this weekend down in the swamp. It's Vanderbilt rolling into Gainesville to face off Against Florida. Vanderbilt sitting at two and three after a win over Yukon. And you know, who knows what that de- that does for their offensive momentum that they showed against the Huskies, but Florida is still a top 25 team, still a really, really good SEC opponent, number 20 in the country right now. They're coming off a really bad loss last weekend to Kentucky. This is a noon Eastern time kick. Uh-oh. Anything can happen here in this time slot, Will, right? SEC network. Florida
2: is a. What did that used to be? The before the Jefferson Pilot. The Jefferson Pilot. This would have been the Jefferson Pilot game of the week, Mm -hmm. guaranteed, if that was still a thing.
1: I think Vanderbilt had at least five or six of those a season on the Jefferson Pilot. They were locked.
2: They were, were locked.
1: Yeah, they were locked and loaded <laughs> there. They, they loved uh, going over to the West End. Oh my God. Uh, but Florida is a minus, minus 39. They're a 39 point favorite. Over under is 59.5, almost 60. And of course, a lot of those points likely coming from the Florida side. But Will Vanderbilt in this series, they trail all time 42 to 10 to two, two ties in there somewhere. Uh, the Commodores have dropped seven in a row to the Gators. The last win for Vanderbilt was. Uh, Sad face here, 34-17 in the James Franklin era. Uh, That was in 2013 uh, in Gainesville. But heading into this matchup, Will, Vanderbilt has 14 straight SEC losses, which we haven't talked about a ton, with their last SEC win being 2019 against Mizzou. And their last SEC road victory was 2018 when Keyshawn Vaughn went off uh, in Fayetteville against Arkansas. Uh, But, Will, this just seems like an awful matchup for Vanderbilt. And I think we'll be talking about that a lot uh, this season for Vanderbilt in their SEC matchups. But the time this is coming in the schedule, how Florida is going to be playing angry, not the best matchup, of course, in general. Uh, but Florida has college football's number three rushing offense. They're 220, 292 yards per game, and their defense has registered 18 sacks this season. So not the best matchup for a team that dominates in the trenches for Vanderbilt, but initially will what are you looking at here in this matchup as as Vanderbilt rolls into Gainesville?
2: I think you hit on pretty much all the major keys there with this being an awful matchup for Vanderbilt and what Florida does well is what Vanderbilt defends, well, uh, defends poorly. And what Florida does on defense is what Vanderbilt has struggled with all mm-hmm. season, which is keeping Pitt, Ken Seals protected back there. So looking at this game, you have to think, how can Vanderbilt stay in this game? Because I don't think the expectations are at all that there's an upset potential here, even though Vanderbilt's two and three, Florida's three and two, those are very, even though your record is what you are, uh, the Bill, Bill Parcells quote that you yeah. uh, gave last podcast, these records don't really tell who these teams are, it's a very different two and three versus three and two, however, I will say that Florida will not end this season as the number three r- rushing offense, I mean they mm. have played not necessarily the best rushing defenses thus far throughout the season. Mm-hmm. And when you saw them go up against a Kentucky team that has a pretty good defense this season, I don't have their statistics in front of me, but they're much better than the traditional Kentucky mm-hmm. football and only put up 13 points. I think the Tennessee defense is pretty bad. Uh, South Florida and Florida Atlantic obviously is really bad. Mm-hmm. And then uh, if you take away that Alabama game that they lost uh, in a tight one, 31-29, then this Florida team is really not impressive whatsoever. Mm -hmm. However, that being said, I I just don't see, and this will be touched on in the keys when I kind of go into some stats of Ken Seals pressured versus able to be protected with time, that I just don't see them being able to keep this crazy, talented group of defensive linemen, which I Mm -hmm. feel like we're going to be saying week in, week out, at least early in these SEC matchups keeping them off of Ken Seals. I mean, they have 17 sacks on the year. I think they're second to only Georgia in the conference in sacks. And Vanderbilt's on the opposite end of that spectrum with only three sacks throughout the entire season. So it's a matchup of a team that is looking to redeem themselves after a loss that probably shouldn't have happened. And Vanderbilt, unfortunately, is, is in their sights.
1: Yeah, and and looking at this, this matchup, going back to the Georgia game for Vanderbilt, you know, Georgia came into this one 15 sacks, and, and now you got Florida coming in, I think, you know, 18 sacks. So, this is not a great matchup, and, Will, it's obvious, going back in history, Vanderbilt has historically competed with Florida, and, and you know, but there's been a lot of moral victories over the Gators through the years. Vanderbilt has not been Was it been
2: 2018, to... Billy? I think that's the right season that it would have been, um, where the Dario Dangbo injury happened when Vanderbilt was absolutely giving it to florida like they were up 20 or 21 to nothing at that point in the game and yes. dario dangbo kind of got the crackback back block that cleared both sides and yes that Derek was, mason was out on the field
1: that was 2018 vanderbilt lost 37 27 and vanderbilt was
2: that moment vanderbilt was up 21 3 you know mm,
1: they, they were right. you, you could say they were dominating that game but i think the dario dario dangbo unnecessary roughness on florida kind of lit a flame under the gators and they ended up dominating the rest of that game
2: and and that was are, probably the wildest scene at a vanderbilt football game i've ever seen yes and and that was kind of seconds away from a bench clearing brawl when that happened i mean i've it, never because the coaches were screaming at yeah, each other like the was, players were holding Derek mason back from it was no one after it was event. Derek
1: mason versus the the florida coaching staff and then and, and even some some of the Vandy assistants were on the field screaming, and then Vandy's players went out there to, mm-hmm. to try to defend Coach Mason. It very, yeah, it
2: was something
1: else. Yeah, and, and I don't think you're going to see a lot of that from Clark Lee and his, his players I don't and see his that staff. Either. But, uh, no. well, I want to go back to the last eight years and, and go through the final scores of, of this matchup. I start with Vanderbilt's victory dating back to 2013. Vanderbilt won 34 17 in Gainesville behind Patton Robinette at quarterback, Ron Seymour at running back. And then you go back, Florida defeated Vanderbilt 34 to 10.
2: yes doctor now you gotta have that correct
1: gotta correct that but (laughs) rolling rolling through here will uh gators in 2015 won nine to seven and then they won in 2016 13 to six and then in 2017 38 24 2018 gators won 37 27 that was close all the way through and 2019 was an anomaly i think vanderbilt got demolished 56 nothing that was you know obviously very depleted um, and then last season Vanderbilt uh, lost 38-17. So some of these final scores, you know, have not quite been indicators of, of how the game went. I know like the 19-7 game was, uh, and then when Florida won 13-6 was an indicator, but a lot of these games were close all the way through, and Florida just pulled away. I'm not saying I see this happening tomorrow, but there's something about when these two teams get together on the field, weird things happen. They just do, and, and, and you never know what may happen. But and Will, even, even though Vanderbilt's way overmatched in this one, I'll be interested to see how much of the offensive momentum is carried over into the swamp as Vandy's offense finally hit their stride against UConn. And yes, you know I know the Gator defense is not the UConn defense that we saw, but if Vandy can show a little bit more signs of life offensively against an SEC team on the road, I think that's another small step in the right direction. And And Will, we've seen from this offense flashes before, of course, against Colorado State, them driving down the field. Against Stanford, we saw a few drives like that. Even against UConn, this offense, they, they played their potential. Can they carry that over in the swamp? That's what I'm looking for, Will. And, and how how much pressure is on Ken Seals? Likely a lot. But how does he deal with that? You know, I, I think those are a couple things I'm looking for. How much offensive
2: momentum do they carry over? You can, you can pretty much look back to that 2016, 2017 seasons and say that's when kind of the decline, I, even though the, 2018 wasn't necessarily a bad mm-hmm. year, uh, went to a bowl game, that that was when you saw the the talent gap kind of spread out between Vanderbilt and the top tier teams, even though they were able to win games against the lower level teams, that's when it really started to separate. So I went back Billy on that and looked at the Georgia scores for the previous year, since Vanderbilt's last victory, which of course was on that Zach Cunningham tackle in 2016, 117 to 16. Those scores have been in 2017 and on. So 2017 was 45 to 13, 2018, 41 to 13. 2019, 30 to 6. 2020, obviously, no game would have mm-hmm. been much worse than 30 to 6. Yep. And then, obviously, what happened was 62 to nothing. So, the talent gap between Vanderbilt and Georgia has grown that exponentially. Mm-hmm. And you can't just say it's because 2019 and 2020 were anomalies. Georgia's gotten that much better. Florida has not followed that same path. Mm-hmm. So, I, I think that is what gives me and you looking at this matchup, even though I don't think either of us have an inkling that there's some type of miraculous upset coming. Mm-hmm. That this game won't be a 62 to nothing embarrassing drubbing out on that field, and mm-hmm. this could be a game that not necessarily is competitive throughout, but could stay competitive throughout most of the first half and maybe leading into that third quarter be within a couple scores, and that would be a huge success for Clark Lee and Team One.
1: And this is the first true SEC road atmosphere for this team, for team one. And, and, you know, you look at that, I think it's going to be good for these players to to see that and to feel that energy and to, you know, you saw them on the road. Colorado State, of course, is very different from Florida. But you saw this team on the road not be, you know, scared, frightened, not not necessarily, you know, they, they wanted to, to beat a team on the road. And, and we'll see how much passion uh, is there down in the swamp, and a lot of these players have not seen uh, that type of energy on the road. But will going back to what scares me about this matchup is the fact that Florida, similar to Georgia, they have 17 sacks in the season. Florida's that second in the SEC behind Georgia and LSU. And then on the other side of the ball, offensively for Florida, they have a they're a middle of the pack passing offense. They haven't had a ton of success passing, but they're averaging nearly 300 yards on the ground. And, uh, and we know they haven't played the best, uh, you know, rushing defenses, but. That's what scares me here. Uh, And, and, you know, can it get out of hand? Will it get out of hand? Likely? Yes. Uh, Again, I don't think it's going to be a 62, nothing drubbing, but I think it's going to all depend on, and we talk about this every week, but how much time is Ken Seals given? And, and, you know, we're, we're, I know we've taken that out of our keys because that's, that's, that's a key every week. Um, But I think this goes beyond just how much time Ken Seals has if it's turnovers. I mean, Vanderbilt, you saw against Georgia, you know, and this is one of my keys that I'll go into. But turnovers have been a major issue for this team, and if they can just limit some of those, who knows what can happen? So, um, if you're ready for the keys, well, we'll go ahead and hop in to the three things to watch. We've kind of shifted it to Slash things, keys, yeah, three <laughs> things, three keys to watch. Just basically things that we expect to happen, and and basically, you know, h- how is Vanderbilt going to handle this? So I'm going to start with Cam Johnson. Uh, Vanderbilt's leading wide receiver and now statistically he's not their leading receiver this season but you know looking at the looking at his play on the field in the past he's their best receiver he's their most talented guy my question is how many targets will he have we talked about it last week against UConn the Connecticut Huskies he had one target and that stunned me it surprised both of us and Will for this offense to perform to their potential Johnson must be heavily involved that that's, that's the bottom line. I know they still had success on the outside with Will Shepard against UConn and some of those outside passes. And even with Chris Pierce and Tevin body, I mean, but, but Cam Johnson was uh, a non-factor. So I don't think that can happen. if Vanderbilt wants to win an sec game. I'm not saying if he has success, they're going to beat Florida, but I think if Johnson is heavily involved, this offense is 10 times better. Uh, But now Vanderbilt's facing sec speed. And so now we're going to see who they go to in those matchups how the linebackers of Florida or you know, the, whoever's defending Cam Johnson in the, in the slot, how do they approach guarding him? Now, teams in the past, especially this season, have locked him down. So I really want to see how much he's involved and how many targets he's going to have, because if he's not, I don't think it makes that much of a big deal. And it, if he is, I don't think it's going to change the game. But I just think for this offense, Cam Johnson must be heavily involved for them to have success. So for me, number one is, is just basically in a nutshell, Cam Johnson. <laughs>
2: Yeah, that's, that's a great key. And that was one of the first things that I felt after the lack of involvement he had last week against, fortunately, the Connecticut a defense uh-huh. and a win. He only had one target, zero receptions. That cannot happen against Florida, against mm-hmm. a defensive line that is absolutely dominating opponents throughout this season um, and is creating havoc in the backfield against a Vanderbilt offensive line that has not done well. And not only is the Vanderbilt offensive line not, not performed well in doing that, Ken Seals has been very, very bad against pressure. It's charted pressure on him. Mm-hmm. And so that is my key one, is keeping pressure off of Ken Seals so he can get the ball on the outside. Even though you said we're not talking about it's a key, it is specifically a key yes. because I wanted to get some statistics out there we before we get into it. You know, I'm a big stats guy, so oh, here yeah. we go. That guy so will. My, my key number one, so Ken Seals without pressure. So not, not without pressure, but... Overall on the season, every passing down, yes, he's completing fifty-seven percent of his passes. Accuracy around fifty-seven. Adjusted uh, completion percentage around sixty-five percent. I believe it's the statistic mm-hmm. on pressured downs. However, and this is where things get very. Of course, you are going to see a drop. You are going to see a drop no matter who the quarterback is. If it's the the next Heisman winner, they're mm-hmm. still going to drop against pressure. But Ken Seals against pressure is completing only twenty-four percent of his passes. With a 21% accuracy rate and a 33% adjusted completion percentage. So he is nine of 37 on pressure downs. And for context, Mike Wright is 0 for 4 on pressured downs. So it's not just that this offensive line has done poorly. I think Ken Seals in this offense, in this new offense, I don't know if he's necessarily fully comfortable. And I think you see m- moments of him being comfortable. Um, in the pocket and and in the play-calling schemes. And that's why you see this team being so streaky on offense. Mm -hmm. And if they're able to provide him with enough time, not get pressure in his face, when he does not have pressure in his face, he's completing over 65% of his passes, almost a 74% adjusted completion percentage, 65% accuracy rate, and he's thrown for almost 800 of his total yards on the season Mm -hmm. while he's only thrown for 92, Mm -hmm. I believe, or 52. Um, Let me... Yeah, 92 of his yards, the remaining yards of his statistics on the year during pressured downs. So there we go. I mean, it, it's as simple as that. Yeah. You have 125 pass attempts, non pressured. You have 37 pressured, and those are the statistics on either side. And I just don't think we can harp on enough that that is where this game comes down to if Vanderbilt's going to remain competitive. is that offensive line just being able to give a semblance of protection to Ken Seals.
1: And Coach Lee has talked about it a lot, Will, too, about how young he still is. And I know we don't Mm -hmm. like pointing to that, but he's still a sophomore. This is technically – this is his first year in this offense under – you know, you could say Coach Ride, but this is Joey Lynch's offense. And, and the first year under this new offense. is also really gets, his
2: first year. I mean, if he gets, yeah, you, yeah, have, that, let, you have an all STC schedule and you throw a true freshman. That's, I don't even know if you, that's more like, all right, we're just going to basically call this a practice, a, right. a 10 game scrimmage schedule. Yeah. Because and, that's a tough spot.
1: Yeah, it is. And he's, he's, he's still in a tough spot right now. I mean, uh-huh. he's still learning this offense. And, and when you compound that with an offensive line that has not played well, it's tough back there. So, you know, we, we, we as much as we we harp on a lot of what we want to see improve from Ken Seals, this guy is still – he's fighting through a lot, especially through that offensive line, but also learning this offense. So, um, I'm with you, Will. This O-line, it's always a key, but even this week, let's see how they progress. It, can, can they give him a little bit more time against this Florida D-line? We'll see. Number two, Will, I'm going to go with Vanderbilt's turnovers, and not necessarily their ratio because they, they have not been – Um, on the front end of those ratios through the first half of the season. But against Georgia, I think they aided the Bulldogs a lot with those turnovers early. There was a fumbled kickoff, and that set Georgia up in the red zone. You can't do that. And Ken Seals had an interception deep in Vanderbilt's own territory in the first half that also just gave Georgia a touchdown. Now, I'm not saying Georgia wasn't going to, if they had the ball to 25 at their own 25, I'm not saying they weren't going to drive down and score. But that would have killed a lot more time off the clock, and it may not have been 35 nothing within the first quarter. Um, so I just think if Vanderbilt can take care of the football – This is not. It's just not going to be another sixty-two nothing pounding. It's just not. If they have zero turnovers in this game, I think I think they can cover. Now that's what we're looking at here. I'm not saying Vanderbilt's going to compete, but I just don't. I think they can narrow that margin of victory by a touchdown or two if they don't turn the ball over. Because we've seen this defense be able to bend but not break. And you know whether that's forcing a, a field goal, a long field goal, getting a turnover, getting a stop. I think this defense can do some things. Now they need the opportunity. If they're put back in, in their own territory in the red zone, that, that's a lot harder to do a job defensively. So turnovers for Vanderbilt is what I'm watching here. And throughout the rest of the season, because no matter who they're playing now, um, you know, I think they had a little bit more leeway against UConn and teams like Colorado State and ETSU. But now with this SEC schedule, if they don't turn the ball over, I think they will gain a little bit more respect with those final scores. I'm not saying they're going to compete or even keep it within two scores, but they'll be able to cover a lot of these games as long as they don't turn the ball over. Now that's, it's, it's a tough ask. And Ken Steels, we we've talked about him struggling those throws to the middle of the field, but special teams, if they can clean that up and take care of the football, I think that'll prove to be successful for Vanderbilt because they could just catch the ball in the end zone rather than taking it out starting at the 10 or 15 yard line, they'll save a lot of room for for themselves. They'll be starting at the 25. So I think there's just some small adjustments to make in terms of cleaning up their play. And and especially in that turnover game. So I'll be looking at the the turnovers for my second thing to watch. Well
2: yeah the turnovers have been killer for an offense that already struggles to move the ball consistently and in a defense that that lacks depth. And you turn the ball over those quick change situations and that happened twice. And that's brutal on a defense that's already mm-hmm. outmatched. And you're going to see that this week, not to the extent you saw it against Georgia, but you are going to see a defense that is very outmatched. And I think one of my favorite announcer words I would use to describe this defense, you said the bend don't break. I think I would describe them as scrappy.
1: scrappy. I think
2: that they, they get themselves in situations and, Pull things out of nowhere like four like fourth down goal line stands against yeah. George already down five scores. That right. That kind of thing. They're scrappy. There's a lot of there's a They're lot of still heart playing. behind this defense. So I like the guys there, even though they are outmatched. But my key number two is going to be related to those early turnovers, like you talked about and early mistakes. It's gonna be a fast start. Vanderbilt, this entire season, outside of that Stanford game, has been awful. In the first quarter, the offense has consistently come out and against Connecticut, you saw it, they went three and out after and allowed Connecticut to drive down the field and thankfully get field goals on their first two drives of that game Mm -hmm. getting Vanderbilt down six to nothing that cannot happen against Florida because those will not be field goals against Florida. And if you get down into a 14 nothing hole against this team that runs the ball relentlessly down your throat and continue to have three and outs early that defense is just going to wear down and not only that. I, I, I'm going to keep going back to the passing statistics because it's just amazing to me. Uh, these passing statistics is Ken Seals in the first quarter okay, of this season is completing only 38% of his passes mm-hmm. with an adjusted completion percentage of 46% and no passing touchdowns. So he's 13 of 34 on this season, and he's had 10 completely inaccurate pa- or 19 inaccurate passes. Mm-hmm. Wow, I misread that. When you look at the other three quarters and all of these stats I'm saying, because someone could argue, well, yeah, but he's playing against second, third, fourth teams on, the, on in the, a lot of those second, third and fourth quarters. Well, I have this set to only being within 21 points.
1: Uh, look at so you. all of
2: this is point differential on either side within three scores, because you cannot argue that these are skewed because of that. Mm-hmm. And the other three quarters, Ken Seals, is completing almost 62% of his passes with a 71% adjusted completion percentage. He has 76 completions on 123 attempts, three touchdowns, 730 yards. That is amazing that within those score margins because the the other immediately, it's it's even crazier when you don't put it within the 21-point differential because his first-quarter stats are even worse because of that Georgia game, Mm -hmm. and his second, third, and fourth-quarter stats are even better because of that and there's even a more drastic differential. So the first quarter starts and first quarter early predictable play calling that is the same shit different week that teams Mm -hmm. have seen over and over and Vanderbilt's offense comes out and they go, oh my God, this is exactly what they do on first, second, and third down every single week. This is awesome and that initial game planning that you've seen over and over continue to stifle this Vanderbilt defense in the first quarter. And then this coaching staff, for some reason, looks and says, oh my God, the same shit that hasn't worked the last weeks is not working anymore. We need to make some in game adjustments. And then you see this offense go and have a little bit of success like they did in the second half against Colorado State. Um, they had the early success against Stanford uh, that I think was just due to Stanford's defensive line being awful and not being able to provide any pressure and this this game you cannot have a start where you come out and run inside zone concept inside zone concept pass on an obvious third down situation boom three and out punt back to or punt to florida or punt back to florida that cannot happen if that happens vanderbilt's going to get beat by 50 florida's going to cover because that's just going to be a roadmap to the rest of this game this team needs to come out and at least gain a first down on their first drive and i think that would just build confidence on both sides of the ball for the rest of the game and say hey we may not be as good as florida we may not be able to win this game but we're going to make this game competitive and we're going to go just play football and i think that'll get a lot of the nerves out a lot of that 62 nothing drubbing out of their heads and so, hopefully, we can see that early, and we'll see a little bit of a game plan change from the yeah. staff. Yeah,
1: and and I think too, Will, also um, as the train is coming here, uh, oh I also I also love to I would love I think a lot of Vandy fans in general would love to see, like you said, that fast start to have this Vanderbilt offense show a wrinkle or two. You know, maybe a trick play, maybe not, but something to give this team some early confidence and some see you. Early- you're taught,
2: you've the trick plays I would like to see that, and you've talked on that. My thing is not trick plays. I want to see first play of the game, Vanderbilt runs a screen to Rocco Griffin. First play of the game, they run a they run a play action naked boot for Ken Seals. First play of the game They come out and run some type of concept deeper down the field or a crossing route or anything else than an inside zone run concept or inside zone power concept. It's all they run the first play of the game. It's amazing to watch, or they will run some type of bubble screen on the outside to a receiver. Those are the only two things they will run play play one of the game. And it's amazing to see it, and it feels like I'm back in the Derek Mason, Woody Woodenhoffer Offer era when I'm watching this offense right now, and I don't understand why that is.
1: And, and it'd be awesome to see, make a bet. I know Barstool Sportsbook has some, you know, crazy bets that they they create. It'd be awesome <laughs> to make what play Vanderbilt runs on on that first play. They don't the want game. Barstool won't do that. I, I know, I know won they won't. All that
2: piece, but I'll, I'll bankrupt them.
1: Uh, but I know if we, <laughs> I know if we had our own sportsbook, that'd be awesome to create. Vanderbilt inside zone run on the first play What if that because likely that's what we'll see but I'm not necessarily talking about trick plays I you know I'm talking uh, similar similar (laughs) yeah similar to what you're saying just new wrinkles and something new that this that a defense hasn't seen uh, on film but well lastly for me my third key you touched on it with the bend but don't break defense that's kind that's basically my third key here uh, against the Florida team that you know has shown to be able to dominate the run game and drive down the field Say Vanderbilt has a third and four, deep, you know, deep in in uh, in their own territory, and and you know, setting up a Florida field goal. If they get a stop, I think that sends a message. Okay, this defense still playing, and and against Stanford, we saw a couple possessions where their defense they they would allow the Cardinal to march down the field, but they'd find a way to prevent them from reaching the end zone somehow, some way. They would make a stop, and they would either create a, a fourth down for Stanford in the red zone, or Stanford would have to kick a field goal. So. Uh, obviously, Florida is a different challenge. Um, but I think if Cavador, if, if they bend but no, don't break and, and they show that capability, I, th- I think this game could have a respectable final score. Now, I'm not, I, I, I kind of doubt a, a lot of that will happen. Georgia, Florida has shown to be able to dominate the run game and just kind of impose their will. Uh, but if Vanderbilt somehow can show that and kind of at least slowing down Florida's ability to score and, and milking some of that clock. This is not going to be a sixty-two nothing demolition. Now I think we're splitting hairs here. Whether it's going to be sixty-two nothing, fifty-five nothing, fifty nothing, forty-five nothing. I think if Vanderbilt doesn't let Florida get the fifty burger, I feel crazy saying this. That's a success. Am I insane saying that? Will like I, I, I just think for this defense right now, Florida is going to put up points. But for Vanderbilt, if if they just if they don't give up fifty points, I think that's a small victory now it's again it feels crazy saying that but that's where this team is right now and and a lot of it is just accepting where they are
2: I mean I don't think it's crazy I think that I am the last person in the world to ever be a proponent of moral victories but at this point you can't go into these games anymore and I can't getting angry if they come out and get destroyed because you're looking for progress in specific things specific things they are working on to improve and so no i don't think that's crazy that saying we're splitting hairs Mm -hmm. on what the final score is i think i think a loss of a 35 to 13 to florida is a huge boost to the rest of the season with a lot of games in a row that i won't say are winnable but are much more likely to be competitive uh, than these first two sec games Mm -hmm. of the season
1: yeah, and I, I completely agree. I mean, with this Vanderbilt team, we have to accept where they are. We have to accept where they are in the trajectory right now. They're they are two and three, uh, but their wins are over Colorado State and UConn. So uh, again, w- it's going to be a lot different story when they're when we're previewing Mizzou or even Tennessee or Mississippi State. Mm-hmm. You know, some of those later matchups. But right now, in the meat of their schedule, it's 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 just tough to preview because you don't know um, you know, we know where this team is at, but we don't know what, what's, what our expectations to be set for. And, and I think, you know, obviously Florida team where they've had success on the run game, I think a victory would be limiting them to a certain number, maybe 300 yards, 350, you know, not letting them get to 400 or, or dominate the game. I think there's just small victories in there. So uh, I know you still got your third, third, uh, third
2: thing to watch here though. Well, yeah, my third key will be a lot quicker. Uh, you said that's that, that run game from Florida has been successful in stopping mm-hmm. that or, or at least hindering it. And they run the ball a lot. And that is my third key is not necessarily the run game, but it's just quarterback contained. Mm-hmm. Because Vanderbilt in the past, if any anybody listening to this has watched Vanderbilt over the last – seven eight years the the one thing that sticks out besides there's other things as well but the one thing that really sticks out in my mind is Vanderbilt has always struggled to stop mobile quarterbacks Mm -hmm. whether it's against Kansas State or it's Josh Dobbs I know that's the Derek Mason era or back in in some Ole Miss teams remember Jeff Driscoll too against Florida oh god uh, you're giving me nightmares (laughs) Louisiana Tech legend Jeff Driscoll um But this Florida team, they have rig- really, really struggled. Their quarterback, Emory Jones, is their leading rusher. Mm-hmm. Um, he has 70 carries on the year for 439 yards and two touchdowns. But he struggled to throw the ball. Um, you know, his stats are all right, but a lot of that is set up because the run game has been so successful in yes. some lesser opponents. And a lot of that was built up in three games throughout this year against Tennessee and two mid-level to lower-level mm-hmm. FBS opponents. So Vanderbilt has not been able to create pressure on the quarterback. That's not a key to this game. That was a key to la- that was a key to last week. It was the key before. Getting sacks and pressure on this quarterback is not a key. Containing him on the outside <clears throat> with that link that they may have and speed on those outside edges, whether it's Alex Williams, Elijah McAllister, Wu uh, Wusu, that is going to be the key to this game. And I actually think that that this season with this team, I think playing a mobile quarterback that maybe struggles a little more in the in the traditional pocket passing Mm -hmm. game may not be the worst thing in the world Mm -hmm. for this defense as opposed to years in the past i've always hated playing mobile quarterbacks at Vanderbilt so i'm looking for that defense to improve not necessarily in creating havoc in the backfield but containing emory jones and, and making him do things that make him a little bit more uncomfortable with the length that they have on that defensive line at the end spots so that, that is my uh, third, third thing to watch slash key to the game.
1: There we have it. The three keys, uh, you know, you could say to victory, but I guess three things we're we're looking forward to watching uh, against this Florida team. And Will, you just touched on it. The Vanderbilt's is going to be challenged again on the edges. You know, we've seen them challenged on the edges all season. How much are they progressing against Florida? And now Emery Jones has some speed, but also their backup, Anthony Richardson, we could see some of him in that rug game as well. So, Uh, You know, we'll we'll, we'll dive a little bit deeper into the Gators with uh, um, Gator Dave, David Waters, uh, a little bit later in my interview with him. But, Will, let's get to some of our predictions. Uh, I know, you know, predictions have this season have not been, you know, the easiest and we've been, you know, we've been way off certain times. But I think this one is is easy to look at to an extent just because of the situation each team is in. Florida – they're going to be playing angry. They're going to want to – they're going to want to the pound of football. They're going to want – I think they could get to 35, maybe even 40 carries total, you know, maybe more in, in this matchup. I've got Florida winning 45-10. to 10. That's a 35-point victory for Florida, which means Vanderbilt covers. Vanderbilt was a 35-point underdog against Georgia. Now they're a 39-point favorite against Florida. So Vegas does not like Vanderbilt in this matchup, obviously. And, and well, again, I, I think they cover but mainly because I don't think Florida is nearly as good as Georgia. I just, I think this is more of what Florida uh, will bring. I still think they're going to put up points, but they showed some weaknesses on offense against Kentucky. They only put up 13 points against a middle of the road, Kentucky defense. It's a solid defense, but they're not playing Alabama. They're not. And I know they put up points against Alabama, but looking at it's, it's more of a, what have you done for me lately for for this Florida team? And, and offensively, you know, with a weak performance last week, they're going to want to put up some points. So I do think Vandy gets a touchdown. I think we see a Bolivis field goal, not necessarily a game winning big leg Joe kick, but <laughs> I think I think Vandy gets a field goal. I think they get it to, to 10. I think Florida wins, 45 to 10. Vandy covers. Again, I've been wrong all year uh, saying Vandy covers, and I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if I'm wrong again. I just don't see it being similar to a 69 nothing 62 nothing shellacking not quite 69 62 nothing nice. demol- demolition uh, at the hands of Georgia. I don't see it going that way. Now it could get close to that and Vanderbilt could get shut out again. But I think a small victory for this team would be not getting shut out in the road in on the swamp um, and so yeah, I got I got Florida 45 Vandy 10.
2: Yeah, nice prediction, Billy. It, it sounds like you had some other things on your mind during it. So nice. But um, <laughs> I think this, you did. <laughs> I have to uh, balance out making myself know that I see things through a gold colored lens. So that's A, what I always do is sport, whether it's us recording this podcast or it's actual media members, writers of the Tennessean and in different papers. Mm-hmm you naturally see things through the lens of the team you are covering, even right. if you are not a fan, because you get close to the action. It's the same issue that coaches have getting too close in and seeing these keys that are, that are keys and they are matchups, but in the overarching grand scheme of things, they don't matter. And that is what I think you lose when you get too close in. And that is what I've had to balance out in my prediction, which I'm going to go ahead and give the score Here we go. and then give my, why I'm saying this before I give out my prediction is Florida 41 Vanderbilt 13. So I, okay. I do have Vanderbilt covering. I've gone back and forth. My initial prediction was 52-13. to 13, And then I really started digging into Florida. And I started digging into where their stats have come from and who they've played and how they've looked lately. And I think a lot of why we think this Florida team is so damn good uh, is because of that Alabama game. Yes. And where, they, where Alabama initially came out and dominated Florida at the beginning. And then Alabama kind of let the foot off the gas and Florida got back in the game and they ended up almost – Beating Alabama as a two point conversion short, but or, or of tying the game and sent it to overtime. Right. But when you look at their other performances, they beat a Tennessee team 38 to 14 that they have have basically been the daddy of uh, in the last 10, 15 <laughs> years. And Tennessee is not good this year. So I don't really take hey, a lot from well, that. They, they beat Missouri, Missouri. big Missouri, win over Missouri. Missouri what I took from that is oh my god Missouri we have a shot that that open we too. have a shot I will be locked into that Missouri Vanderbilt <laughs> game cuz that Vander, that Missouri defense looked like they had given up from the opening snap so I'll be I'm sure they're going to look incredible against Vanderbilt but why I said there are some matchups Florida Atlantic and South Florida are traditionally pretty decently high level FBS programs mm-hmm. at least with some name recognition South Florida is horrendous this year I think they're one and four with their only win being over Florida A and M, um, which is an FCS opponent. Big win, and then yeah, huge one. And then Florida Atlantic is equally as bad. They have no wins over anybody decent. They played Air Force, lost thirty-one to seven, and those teams put up fourteen and twenty points against Florida. So I think this Florida team is not near as good. Is I mean, at one point, held they were top 10 in the country, which is ridiculous. I I think they were right on that edge of a top 25 to maybe really not even being a top 25 team. Now, does that mean that Vanderbilt's going to come out and perform well against them? I don't think so. But this Florida offense is not good. Their defense is overrated based on stats because their offense runs the ball a lot and runs the Mm -hmm. clock down. So, of course, their damn statistics and yardage are going to look good. Where they where their strength is is creating pressure, and if Vanderbilt's able to come up with a game plan that can give him time, this Florida defense is not nece- our offense is not necessarily a quick strike offense, mm-hmm. and I really, really think they're overrated in general. And I think that there are things Vanderbilt can capitalize on. And hell, I mean, look at their stats. Vanderbilt, if Vanderbilt gets shut out in this game, I'm going to be pretty mad because you look at who they have played, and they've given up 14 to FAU. 20 Mm -hmm. to South Florida. These are teams that have struggled to put up a touchdown against low-level FBS opponents. I mean, this South Florida team, they gave up 20 points to, scored zero against NC State, Mm -hmm. and their max point output is against BYU in a loss. They actually played them down to the wire, but put up 27, and -hmm. most recently lost 41-17 to to SMU. So Vanderbilt has to score. So we said we had our things to watch. I don't think Vanderbilt's going to be competitive in the second half, but Vanderbilt needs to score a first-half touchdown. That is what I will want to see from this offense. They have to score it in the first half while this game is not completely out of reach to make it mean something. If they win the, if the final score of this game is 41, 13, but it was initially 38, nothing. That is not the same thing as how I want to see this game and want this game to play out, which is it's 28 to 13 going into the, or 28 to 10 going into the second half. And then Florida pulls away because it where wears down Vanderbilt's defense. So, there are very different ways to get to that final number. I know that is a moral victory and a dumb thing to say, but my prediction is a 41 to 13 that is not a blowout by halftime.
1: Hey, and there we, we got another TDR sportsbook bet there, Vandy to to score a first half touchdown. I don't know. I, I think you'd take it. I know I, I might I would think about it, but I, I think if they if they do, and there goes Wills Cup. But uh, I, I think, you know, Will, our, our, our predictions are pretty similar, and I, I, I don't think that's a bad thing, but it could – I think it could get out of hand, but, but it's a small victory if Vanderbilt doesn't get shut out. I, I really do believe that. That's where we're at uh, with this program. But another positive to take out of this game, Will, on the road, I just think, you know, with everything to happen – Vanderbilt, we're still going to see them in those white uniforms and, and the gold helmets, and I think that's a positive to take. We get to see this team in their all-whites, not Stormtroopers, which I, I'm happy about, and I know you are too, but we get to see them in the all-whites and, and the gold helmets, and, and that's, that's a sight to see. So, uh, I, I like the
2: Stormtroopers. I'm not going to lie. I know, the, I know the gold helmets. I like the gold helmets. I, where are you feeling about the V I, I didn't this far like, through the season? It's, it's grown on me.
1: It's grown on me. I see, liked, it's gone I the, the opposite v.
2: direction for me i i don't like it
1: you don't like
2: i I, I, i'm really to the point now where i don't like it at all dang you don't like like it does to me to me that does not look like vanderbilt football on the field to me now that that is my opinion i may be in this i've not looked at any polls or read anything else where vanderbilt fans have said that this is my opinion that logo when i see them run out in that uniform i recognize vanderbilt as the star v on the gold helmet I do not like that V and I really hope they change that. Think, and I, and I on think... top of the gold lettering on those white uniforms was the dumbest decision I think any uniform designer could have ever made because you cannot read those names on TV and you cannot see Vanderbilt on the chest. At least so the at the, least the, the, the helmets the and the black... white uniforms has some work to do. The blacks are great. At least they have the
1: black names in the in the, the black font at least they have that and i it's grown on me and again I, out that way. I, initially i wasn't the biggest fan of the v i think there's a lot of fans that still agree with you that that you know love the star v but uh, hey it's a shift and uh, any sort of shift that that i think this program uh, can take out of the Derek mason era i think some fans will take but it, it's definitely it's a it's a debated topic and, and i think we well, need it's to have just, a, you know the the
2: this is probably getting off topic more than you wanted to talk about it but <laughs> When the the block letter on the side of the helmet, like I said, Vanderbilt is never going to be Notre Dame, Georgia, Alabama. They have to be Vanderbilt. And I love going back to the traditions, which is what Clarkley is trying to do, is go back to a traditional, classic, clean look. But where they made the mistake is on those helmets. The Star V helmet was unique. And that was something that we're having a unique logo that's easily recognizable, that was very, very, very unique. And now they're just like Illinois, Georgia, Tennessee that have the block letter Purdue that have the block letter on the side of their helmet. And I just don't feel like that is unique or cool or separates Vanderbilt from anybody anywhere. And they just look like they're trying to be Purdue. And or Wake Forest. We'll we'll see if anything
1: changes your mind. Well, I know Tim Corbin loves it because that's his logo. Well, I love
2: it on the Vandy boys, but that's a whole different brand than, than Vanderbilt football. And I think if you're trying to separate yourself and start fresh, I don't know if glomming onto the brand of successful Vandy boys, which I do like to an extent in how they've kind of done things, but just glomming onto that logo. I don't think it's ever going to be associated with Vandy football. You're always going to be Look, they're wearing the Vandy Boys logo on the side of their helmet. Hey, I that's that's what it's Clark to that wants. Point.
1: I think Clark yeah. wants a little bit to attach to that. Vehicle. Like I said, hey, different we'll have... different
2: strokes for different folks. Yeah, so I'm. We'll... I'm not, I i do not hate it. It's yeah. just nah.
1: We'll see if it grows on uh, on Will anymore. We'll continue to monitor <laughs> that. And uh, maybe we'll have a big podcast with the TDR crew to kind of debate that. And maybe we put a poll up. Heck, we're end, end of my view your wrap up. up. Yeah, we yeah. end of your wrap up. But there it is. We got the predictions for Florida. But coming up next, Gator Dave. David Waters uh, joins me to discuss and dive into this matchup as Vanderbilt travels down to the swamp, 11 a.m. Central Time kick on the SEC network. We've got interview with David Waters coming up next. Here on The Door Report, powered by Alaco Fine Wood Floors. Before we get to the interview with Gator Dave from Gators Breakdown, as we preview Vandy and Florida on Saturday, it's now time to send it over to Gary Scales for a few words on our presenting sponsor,
0: Alaco Fine Wood Floors. No matter what style you're going for, you can trust your flooring job to Alaco Fine Wood Floors. Take a walk through the woods in your home every day. Get your flooring job started today by calling 615-356-0303. Alaco fine wood floors. Craftsmanship you can stand on. Welcome back into the Door
1: Report. I'm Billy Derrick and I'm now happy to be joined by David Waters from the Gators Breakdown. He's got a podcast, website, he's 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 rolling uh, down there in Gainesville, and uh, he's uh, reporting to us live from Jacksonville. He's known as Gator Dave in in the Gainesville circles. Uh, Dave, thanks for joining us. How are you doing?
3: I'm good. I'm good. Uh, Glad uh, glad to be previewing Gators for you again with uh, Florida and Vanderbilt matching up in Gainesville.
1: Yep, we did it last year and uh, second time on. I guess you're a friend of the pod now. So I want to start (laughs) with the mood in Gainesville right now. Of course, last weekend was a shock to a lot of people. It was a shock to me. I'm sure it was. Uh, to you as well how would you describe uh kind of the fans mood right now and and of course coming into this Vanderbilt game you know they 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 obviously I'm sure they're focused on Vanderbilt but but what's the mood especially after last weekend
3: uh fan base ticked off hopefully the uh, football team a little ticked off too uh yeah, it was ugly, ugly performance there in Kentucky last week. You know, you can point to a lot of things that uh, the score sheet, the the stats say Florida should have won that game, but Florida did not uh, win the game there in Kentucky penalties, 15 penalties uh, there for the Gators, eight of them false starts. A lot of them come on third and short, putting you in third and long situations for an offense that wasn't running the ball uh, as good as they had been in SEC games. I mean, course all throughout the season but mm. in sec games versus alabama sec games versus tennessee Florida was running the ball really well did some good things in the run game but not consistent all day emery jones couldn't get into a groove either with his legs uh he had to probably make some more throws than he really wanted to uh some open reads had to settle for a lot of passes that kentucky was really just giving florida and playing right in kentucky's hands there uh so just uh you and what rubs a lot of the fan base the wrong way is hey look you finally get that good defensive performance you've been Mm -hmm. looking for for uh, a season and and a few games now. You get that, and the offense doesn't show up uh, for for, for the Gators. So a lot of shooting themselves in the foot, a lot of – look, two weeks ago, before that game, you played Alabama close, and it was a two-point loss. So you maybe change your expectations for the season a little bit only two weeks later uh, to go shoot yourself in the foot in Lexington against Kentucky.
1: Looking at the stats after that game, it's not like uh, Florida – you know, hurt themselves on the turnover margin. Each team had one yep. turnover. Florida dominated the game offensively. They finished with 382 yards, the total offense to Kentucky's 224. But you talked about it. Florida committed 15 penalties for 115 yards. I didn't know eight of them uh, were false starts in the offense. And, and that, you know, that's the definition of, of shooting yourself in the foot. So would you say those penalties, that's what cost the Gators in, in Lexington?
3: I mean, I don't want to take credit from from Kentucky. They did a lot of good things. Right. Uh, I mean, they they had their eyes in the backfield the whole time and uh, just dared Emory Jones to throw it. They, they didn't rush a whole lot, but they were keeping their eyes in the backfield. So some play action, uh, some better throws by Emory Jones. I mean, no, Emory Jones didn't play bad. It's just that there were bigger plays there to be made. So give credit to Kentucky there too. But even with all that, Florida had their chances. There was two drives late in the game. They had settled for a field goal on one of them get the ball back they had eight plays in the red zone at the end of the game didn't even get in the end zone fourth down incomplete pass there and that's how the game ends for Florida and like I said a lot of it was false starts you had running backs false starting you had mostly it was mostly due to uh the center Kingsley Aguacan it was his first start on the road this is Emory Jones first start on the road big big time SEC environment on the road yeah, they played at USF early in the season, but that was a seventy percent Gator crowd there in Tampa. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, so this was the first big road game and first big test there for Emory Jones, the quarterback, and Kingsley Eggleton at center. And you could tell uh, they could not get a cadence down. Uh, they used that slap uh, or clap their hands mm-hmm. uh, to to, to uh, snap the ball. He couldn't hear Emory for for whatever reason. They never adjusted. They never went away from it. And it bit Florida on the very last drive of the game as well. Uh, So you had plenty, plenty of chances. Even the drive before the last uh, where they had to settle for the field goal, Florida had a third and short false start. You don't convert the third down, you got to settle for a field goal. So it was just uh, mostly, yeah, you look at the stats, you wonder how Florida loses that game. And it's mostly because of uh, false start penalties and not being able to adjust from it.
1: Now the Gators return home to the Swamp and and they welcome a Vanderbilt team to town. And and I want to go back to last year's game in Nashville. It it seemed as if Vandy was within two scores for most of the game, but it was never, you know, it was never a situation where, okay, Vanderbilt might be able to come back and win. Florida had control of that game and they scored a late touchdown to make it 38-17 How much of last year's game do you take into consideration when you look at this year's matchup? Do you bring that back any sort? Because Vanderbilt has a pretty similar team. They lost some big-time players. Uh, But how much of last year's game do you point to uh, when looking at this Vanderbilt matchup?
3: I think he pointed to it because of Ken Seals. I mean, 22 of 34 last year, over 300 yards, passing 319 yards. I think I I think I looked it up. It's his third highest performance, I believe, uh, yardage-wise, versus a Todd Grantham defense last year. So, you know, does he feel comfortable going against the Todd Grantham defense? Does Todd Grantham do a lot of the similar, similar defensive schemes that he brought uh, to the table last year and playing against Ken Seals and Vanderbilt's offense? And if he does, then I would say – Sills probably has a little bit of confidence going against the Gator defense like that. So, what do you change from last year if you Todd them going against Ken Sills? And look, of course, it's a it's a different offense, more of a pro style approach uh, for offense this year. But you got to think, you know, Vanderbilt's getting pretty more, pretty comfortable as games go on uh, there. So th- I think you, you start there with Seals, him having some success versus Todd Grant, some defense last year. And then just kind of seeing what you can bring to the table in, in, in your improvement. Uh, we don't, still don't know if Kyrie Elam for Florida will play at, at, at cornerback. He's missed the last two games. Uh, there against Tennessee and um, in Kentucky last week after being injured late versus Alabama. So we'll know if he'll be on the field or not. So if not, Florida will be relying on a five-star true freshman who probably played his best game at cornerback last week in Kentucky and Jason Marshall uh, and then Avery Helm, opposite cornerback there. So, you know, seals if he can get in any kind of groove that he got in last year, you know, then, you know, this would be a good test uh, for that for that Florida secondary. But it starts up front for Florida, uh, of course, you know, they're still with the Todd Grantham defense, getting to the quarterback and getting sacks. Just need a little bit more consistency there. So I think if you point for anything there with uh, this Vanderbilt offense, it starts with Seals just because of the success he had last year versus Todd Grantham defense.
1: You mentioned Seals, Vanderbilt's quarterback, and I want to turn it now to Emory Jones, Florida's quarterback. And, and those two guys, their stats are pretty comparable this season. Ken Seals, five touchdowns, five interceptions. Emory Jones, five touchdowns, six interceptions. What can you tell me about what you've seen from Emory Jones this season and his progression? Obviously, we know he can run the ball, and we know that's what he does best, but how have you seen him grow as a passer? I know it might have he might have lost a step against Kentucky, but what can you tell us about him this far this season?
3: Yeah, the, fir- the first couple of the games of the year, uh, four interceptions, probably could have had six in the first two games, and that was versus FAU and versus USF. Right. And you were like, oh, will you where?" Where's, where's the season going with, with Emory Jones struggling these first couple games? Uh, and look, granted, it was his first couple of starts, and he has gotten better uh, every game. And then, look, you had a pretty bad start those first couple of games, and then Alabama rolls in Gainesville week three, and Emory Jones plays pretty good. He put Florida in position to, to, you know, to win the game uh, or at least score late and, and, and make something of it there. Uh, So he got better that game. He probably played his best game the very next week versus Kentucky or Tennessee when he's running the ball pretty well. They started getting his legs involved a little bit more. It's just everything that we had had questions about with with Emory Jones um, coming into the season It's exactly what we saw the first couple weeks. It was a lack of timing, a lack of making the right read, uh, going through his progressions, a lack of accuracy over the middle of the field. You've seen those get better week by week. But he still missed. I mean, you'll go back and watch some film review of, uh, of the Kentucky game last week. And as I said, kind of played in Kentucky's hands. He threw a lot of safe routes, a lot of hitch routes, a lot of a lot of routes where the receivers are standing there, not necessarily mm-hmm. throwing receivers open uh, and in the route for receivers. You know, they're having to stop and make a catch. So Kentucky was like, OK, well, if you're going to throw that, we'll give it to you. And there's plenty of times, plenty of times, at least in the first half, I count three or four of them, where there's a. Florida receiver streaking down the middle of the field wide open and he doesn't, he never, he he either doesn't see him or when he does see him, he doesn't throw it. And it Mm -hmm. feels okay, I got this play. I'll throw this one because I feel more comfortable throwing it. So it's just, you know, does he have that next step of progression of being able to, to notice the open receiver and then have the confidence to throw to the open receiver? That's the next step of, uh, of what we need to see from Henry Jones. And, and if we don't, of course, you know, the, the popular uh, topic there is backup quarterback Anthony Richardson getting more play time as well.
1: Yeah, we'll touch on him maybe a little bit later. But uh, when, you, when you put in, or if you're Dan Mullen, when you put in the Vanderbilt film, Uh, Obviously, they have struggled at times offensively this season, especially against a team like Georgia, where, I mean, you know, let's face it, a lot of teams are going to struggle against Georgia. You saw that with Arkansas. Um, But when he puts in that Vandy film, offensively, defensively, what do you think stands out to him? And who are some guys that Florida is going to be keen on?
3: Uh, yeah, I think it starts with the run game. We um, mentioned the success Florida's had running the ball for most of the season. Like I said, in, in spurts versus Kentucky last week as well, but ran the ball really well versus Alabama, ran the ball really well versus Tennessee. That's what Florida's going to be doing here. And Florida's, um, now now there, there are things that if they get the opportunity to, they need to work on in the passing game, going back to the discussion with Emory Jones. But, you know, Florida is a run team first, and that's what they're going to be bringing to the table. So I think – it's, mo- it, it's more about just Florida because Florida's got two pretty good young running backs that we just mm-hmm. haven't seen a whole lot from. And we they got carries versus FAU and USF, and I'm talking about Demarcus Bowman and Lorenzo Lingard, uh, but those guys do not have a carry in an SEC game. No carries versus Bama, Tennessee, and Kentucky. So is there a chance to get those guys involved early, or if Florida can put the game away, can those guys get some carries as well and, and, and save your veteran running backs for later in the season? Uh, so I think that's something to look for, you know, Vanderbilt probably has you know, struggled a bit uh, in, in defending the run uh, this year and you look at Florida maybe to try and get back in their groove and Florida has been beat up up front too. Uh, you go and look at some of the str- struggles I mentioned versus Kentucky, well Florida had two or three offensive linemen that barely practiced at all or didn't practice at all in leading up to the Kentucky game. So do those guys get back into practice this week and then try and put it all back together uh, versus Vanderbilt as well. But, you know, v- Vanderbilt they, they got some tackling machines there at linebacker, you know, <laughs> leading uh, mm-hmm. uh leading the charge there, of course, with Ethan Barr and um, uh, Anthony Orgy there. So you got two guys that are, they're going to, they're going to make sure they put their, their helmets in the pile there and, you know, try and stop this Florida run attack.
1: Well, you just talked about that matchup, which I guess, you know, you're going to be keen on Florida's run game versus Vanderbilt being able to stop the run. But is there another one on one matchup? You know, we we love talking about matchups in in, in games like this, but is there another one on one matchup or another matchup that you think could lean this game in, in one specific direction?
3: Uh I I'll go I'll go back up quarterback and if Anthony Richardson can get in and get okay. some playing time. Uh that, that that's probably where I will go. And I know maybe not necessarily a one-on-one matchup, but I'm gonna key in on one player that can okay. We'll see what he brings to the table. It is Anthony Richardson. And look, there might be a one-on-one matchup. He may take a he may take his own read and he's got one-on-one versus Bar or Orgy. Or, or he's mm-hmm. gotta make a move and, right. and make one of those linebackers miss. So, you know, something like that from Anthony Richardson. Uh, but maybe going more towards probably what you're going for, looking at receiver uh matchup there to uh, probably be a younger receiver uh, for Florida. I'm not sure how much you'll play Jacob Copeland and mm-hmm. uh, um, uh Whittemore, Justin Shorter, your, your starters there. So, is this a game yeah. where Xavier Henderson can come in and show out uh, there for, for, for the Gators receivers? But more than likely, I'm kind of just kind of keying in. If, you know, what, for one, what is the status of Anthony Richardson? He comes back healthy. He, get, he missed two games there for Florida with the Alabama and Tennessee game after he came up with a hamstring injury versus USF in the second game of the season so does he get some playing time how healthy is he and if he is you know, do we see him a lot versus Vanderbilt or is it still just a sprinkled in version of Anthony Richardson that we got versus Kentucky last week
1: I want to dive a little bit deeper on him Anthony Richardson obviously if he's been Florida's backup all season and he's been kind of a guy where you look at him you say wow this guy can be pretty pretty damn good at the SEC level now he's a freshman, correct?
3: Uh, yeah, he was true freshman last year, uh, okay. so how, however you want to count 2020. Okay. guys. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. Still, still a
1: freshman. So yeah, with, yeah. with him, though, uh, what has been their game plan with him? And and I know he's been banged up, but uh, is this the type of game where you could see him getting some time late if he's healthy? Uh, or is this something where, hey, you know, we're going to make sure he's healthy and, and make sure we don't ding him up? Because, you know, he's a guy you look at, he could, uh, I think, potentially do some damage against his variable defense, just like Emory Jones can
3: yeah, honestly, it depends on, I guess, what whatever Dan Mullen sees his future with Anthony Richardson is right now. Do you want to get him ready and, and, and more healthy for LSU and Georgia coming up? Mm-hmm. It's, I, I, personally, I think he needs to rep. So as much as you can get him out there versus Vanderbilt, you, you, you put him out there. If he's 100% ready to go and that hamstring is ready to go, he needs every rep he can get. I mean, the knock that Dan Mullen will put out there in public is, look, he, he doesn't know the offense as good as Emory Jones. Okay, well, uh, expect it. He's a second-year guy going right. against a fourth-year guy. You, you kind of expect that. And a lot of times the only way you're going to get it is is game reps that you can't replicate in practice. So, you know, does he get Anthony Richardson out there some more, some more playing time? In those first couple games versus FAU and USF, they had the design third drive of the game he would come in and play. Uh, Like I said, we didn't get that versus Bama. We didn't get that versus Tennessee. Didn't even get that last week versus Kentucky. He eventually came in, made some plays. I think he only played seven plays, I believe, uh, versus Kentucky. So still not as much as you you, you thought he would if he was going to be healthy. So I think now the question becomes, all right, now you're three and two in the SEC play. How do you approach your quarterback? Controversy is probably not the right word for Dan Mullen, but – quarterback situation there with 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 emery jones and anthony richardson do you want to get him some more reps and probably a lot of it plays into all right are are you going to try and get him ready for georgia are you going to try and get him ready for the rest of the season in preparation for 2022 i don't know if the vanderbilt game would tell us a, a whole lot or not unless he's just in there early and often if he's in there early and often i think that's probably a good indication of what you want to see from him but if the game does get away from vanderbilt and he's just taking snaps in the second half i'm I don't know if that really tells us a whole lot as far as the plan Dan Mullen has for Anthony Richardson moving forward for the rest of the season.
1: Dave, let's talk about this line. Florida is a 39-point favorite, and and the Georgia line didn't even get up to to that large for Vanderbilt. That's a 35. I know those, you know, we're we're uh you know, we're trimming hairs there with that line. But um, do you think that's more Vegas saying, yeah, we saw what happened against Georgia? We're likely to see more of the same. Uh, I guess what I'm asking, how how much where's where's the separation there between Georgia and Florida Um, and and do you do you think Florida covers because 39 points that's a lot of points Uh, Georgia did a great job covering of course but uh, how do you think this one goes compared to how Georgia demolished Vanderbilt
3: yeah um the, the run game plays into it a, a little bit. So, if Florida wants to run the ball and struggles like they did last week. This game's going to be a little bit closer. Uh, and if Dan Mullen doesn't want to unleash his quarterbacks, and I mean, Dan Mullen, uh, for everything he can do right, we'll, we'll call him, he, he likes to tinker in, in games oh, yeah. that he thinks he's, you know, can tinker with against the opponents. and. You'll see a lot of backups in, especially in the second half, on defense, uh, defensive side of the ball. But a lot of it points to the offensive side of the ball. How aggressive would Dan Mullen be uh, mm-hmm. on offense uh, a week after he wasn't so aggressive versus Kentucky? Uh, so, two quarterbacks trying to work in two quarterbacks. you got a run game as well. I don't see it quite getting to to, to, to the point spread. Uh, they pop probably maybe around it, but I don't, mm-hmm. I don't see Florida covering the spread here uh, versus Vanderbilt, partly because of just Dan Mullen's demeanor and how he approaches games like this. And, you know, we'll see where this Gator team is mentally. I, they can say all the things, all the right things in in, in media sessions this week, but I don't know. We, we don't know how Florida's going to react to this. You can come out and play ticked off and put it on Vanderbilt, or you can say, woe is me, and there's no interest in a noon game at home, and you let Vanderbilt keep it closed. So, uh, it. it Uh, Honestly, it's a lot about where Florida is mentally right now after that disappointing loss last week versus Kentucky.
1: And Vanderbilt's gotten pretty unlucky with these matchups. Georgia, of course, last season, Vanderbilt – uh, was not able to play due to the, you know that was right. on Georgia's homecoming and now Florida coming in pissed off after a Georgia uh, Kentucky loss so we'll <laughs> see how that goes but let's get your prediction here Dave it's uh, of course a noon kick uh, so you know anything we see seemingly anything can happen in those in the in those early noon kicks where no matter where it is uh, but how do you see this matchup going especially for the Gators at home uh, after after the Kentucky loss
3: yeah ultimately I got I got a forty two ten get Gators final score there. Um, it like it's very tough with knowing how he'll rotate both quarterbacks in right now. Uh, if he'll want to work on things, like if I keep saying Dan Muller wants to work on things, well, maybe he doesn't run the ball, and maybe he wants to throw the ball over the field. And I, that can maybe further a point spread, or if Florida's struggling mm-hmm. passing the ball, then maybe it keeps the game a lot closer. Right. Uh, so that's one reason I don't see it really reaching the, the, the point spread there. I think Florida will try and work on some things if they can. Now, Vanderbilt could come right out and smash Florida right in the mouth. These games have been – pretty competitive in the last couple of years with Derrick Mason leading the charge. Mm -hmm. So we'll see what happens with Clark Lee here uh, in his first Florida Vanderbilt matchup. But, uh, you know, it uh, ultimately... If both teams start to get their their backups in, in the second half, just because of uh, of experience, that's probably where you can still see Florida maybe pulling away a little bit with a little bit more depth than Vanderbilt has.
1: You have seen these matchups get a little testy. I don't know if yeah. Clark Lee, I don't know if Clark's going <laughs> to let his guys run on the field uh, just just like, just like <laughs> yeah. Coach Mason did. But um, I want to ask you one more. Uh, you, you said you got a big storm rolling through Jacksonville. How's the weather like? I haven't checked the radar for Gainesville. Uh, I yeah. know in those eleven a.m. kicks, uh, hopefully the weather it staves off a little bit. Uh, we'll, we'll see about that. But yeah. Um, The Gainesville weather. We we could play
3: quick, we could play quick weather, man, not quick, quick, but uh, I I I I I haven't really looked at it. Uh, (laughs) Weather channel is a friend here. So uh, (laughs) um, so we'll see. Uh, Let's see. It says tomorrow. There we go. 15% chance of rain. There you go. So it should be, should be a bright and sunny day in Gainesville,
1: which it hasn't been in Florida. It's been a lot of rain uh, in this (laughs) state. So hopefully the weather can, can, uh, can be staved off. Dave, thanks for joining us again, uh, good luck with your coverage. Of course, you'll be making a trip, as you always do, over to Gainesville uh, from where you are in Jacksonville, but thanks for checking in again. All right, thanks for having me, man. Well, that does it for Episode 113 of the Door Report. Big thanks to our special guest today, Gator Dave. He's known as, his real name, David Waters from the Gators Breakdown. He gave us the inside scoop heading into this Vanderbilt-Florida matchup on Saturday, again, noon Eastern time kick on the SEC Network. For myself, Billy Derrick, Will Byram, and Gator Dave, you've been listening to Episode 113 of The Door Report, powered by Alaco Finewood Floors.